Welcome back. Today we wanted to talk a little bit about first-person shooter multiplayer. Yeah. Um, we forgot to say the rolling dice and moving mice. Oh. Everything from rolling dice to moving mice. Yeah. Now, the astute listener might hear the subtle differences in the background sounds and realize we're recording in a new place. Yeah, I haven't soundproofed the whole house for recording yet, so... Yeah. Um, and uh, the non-blind viewer might also notice that we're not in the same place. This is why we moved, so there was no more viewers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. don't share my address, Chris. I, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, welcome back, everyone. Um, the reason I want to talk a little bit about first-person shooters is what I am playing right now. Yeah. Is I've been playing a lot of Valorant. Uh huh. So, uh, obviously, segs into what are you playing? Yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah, I was, I was starting the what are you playing? Your transition was too smooth. I just wanted to ruin it a little <laughs> bit. Valorant is a first-person multiplayer shooter. Okay. So it gives us that opportunity to yeah. segue into the eventual topic. But let's start with what you are playing, Chris. What are you playing? What am I playing? I've been playing some D&D. That's on the brain um, because I'm getting to... I want to finish a campaign, which is a really weird thing to say. I've never finished a campaign as a DM or as a player, honestly, ever. Um, But one of my players is going to be moving out for like two months, so... Yeah, I'm, we have about five sessions left, or five weeks. Sometimes we do two sessions a week if we can mm-hmm. squeeze it in. So I'm uh, I'm going to get them in the end game here. Put a little All right. put a little clock on the situation. Let Kill them know they got characters. A, yeah. Oh, there's, we've already been doing that, so don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to kind of put the end on the campaign here. So That's awesome. That's been interesting. And then... Yeah, I've just been playing some Elden Ring. Played a little Skyrim last night. Um, yeah, not much. I've been working a lot lately, so not as mm. much time for games. Yeah, I've been playing some Genshin Impact. Okay. Which is, um, I've been doing free-to-play, and I have not run out of things to do on that game. Nice. Um, there's a lot of main story progression. There are certain things you have to do to like progress your characters, which are all farmable in-game. The main thing that Genshin does is um, if you want specific weapons yeah. or specific characters, that's where the gotcha game comes in. You know, you got to roll for it. Yeah. So that's... Um, and what but is you, it again you, exactly? Uh, it's, okay. it's like... Um, it's like a squad-based MMO exploration game. Okay. So a lot of the art style is actually kind of reminiscent of... In a lot of the play style, I would say, in, in a good amount of ways, is reminiscent of Breath of the Wild. Okay. It's like Breath of the Wild. And I, I started playing this because I got a new phone. I was like, oh, this phone's bragging about how 
good and powerful it is. And I had a really old phone and I have a lot of storage space now. And I was like, let's see if it can really handle a game. So I downloaded Genshin. Yeah. And so like Genshin's really interesting because obviously if you want like the coolest five-star characters or like specific four-star characters, you have to roll a lot. Yeah. And I've probably rolled like 80 times Mm -hmm. and I have a good group of like 15 characters at this point. They give you a few and you get a few as well. And I don't feel like I've gotten to a point at all in the game where it's like, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, Because I haven't spent money on the game. But, you know, if you want to spend money, you can make really strong, crazy strong characters, so on and so forth. Um, But, like, so much of it is explore, go find things, and there's different challenges. Some of them are movement-based. Some of them are, like, combat-based. There's, like, dungeons. There's boss encounters. There's all sorts of things across the board. And then there's also co-op to go to do some of the boss encounters or dungeons and stuff. So it's like, um, it's very playable single player. I play most of it single player. But sometimes, you know, if you jump on with a couple other players, you can go fight a few bosses and grind that out. Yeah. And bosses give you stuff to level up your characters. Sure. Um, And there's all sorts of side quests, main quests. Sure, yeah. Uh... When you explore a new region, there's teleport points to unlock, and obviously, I mean, it's very Breath of the Wild-esque, and um, I, I'm coming into it two years after it started, so there's plenty of content ahead of me. That's cool. Um, so, if anyone does start playing on the Patreon, hit me up, maybe we can set up a co-op sesh. But, yeah. um, I mean, I've, I've been enjoying that. Nice. Um, also started uh, with patrons uh, getting back into Raft. The oh, final story fun. update just came out, and they've done some reworks to the. Is that game officially? I like, think the mid and out of game, alpha so. or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. Was in. So this was the 1.0 kind of full release. So it's um, since the story's complete, we're going back through it. There's more story islands. They've changed up some of the progression. So, for example, um, our group, after our second session, just reached the first main story island. Uh The beginning of the game moves kind of... It feels like it's completely open. And then the mid-game, you start to be like, oh, there's a bigger story I have to do. Yeah. I have to work on. Um, And you start to unlock a lot more technology and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. and they've added that you can actually find big islands, which are something you couldn't find before until after, like, the third island. Sure. You can actually find big islands at any point now. So, nice. I mean, that's that's kind of cool to help um, flesh out, um, you know, why is it we only find small islands until all of a sudden there's hundreds of big islands, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you can go and explore and everything. So, um Going back through that, we started with a bigger group, six people rather uh-huh. than four people. So just more people you're we're gonna have to outfit with resources. So Yeah. Um and then I've been playing a lot of Valorant as well. So nice. I'm I, I reach about level twenty five. Uh, level twenty you can start playing competitive. 
there's a small group of us who started playing all at the same time and um, have been grinding that a lot. Nice. Um, I would more than I'm normally able to, but it's the summer. I know I'm in master's program, and so I've been able to play a little bit more. Nice. Yeah, one other thing that I haven't really been playing, but I've been watching my roommate play some uh, Disco Elysium. Have you heard of that game? Yeah. Um, one of our patrons is a huge fan. Um, it's something where it's I've I've thought it's a really cool sounding game. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just can't get a handle on wanting to play isometric. And... I know it's very story heavy and some and stuff. And yeah, right it's now, very in interesting. Life, I, it's like I can't dive into a story heavy game, unfortunately. It's like fully voice acted. The aesthetic is super interesting. It's like you're a detective with amnesia, and um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. You're a detective with amnesia, and you're like trying to solve crimes while mm-hmm. also figuring out what happened to you. And you'll have conversations with like different parts of your own psyche it's uh yeah. pretty weird but interesting but yeah that's that's about it so that brings us back to the topic today is multiplayer first person shooters yeah so it when it comes to multiplayer first person shooters um i'm just gonna say fps's from now on yeah um we've established MP the term. fps's Yes. Um, there's a wide range of or them out there. Mupfups. And and honestly, a lot of people's personal preferences have kind of scattered them across many, many genres, right? Yeah. And so you have quite a few different styles of game out there. And even in those games, you have different play modes, right? Yeah. So when it comes to game design, there's a lot of interesting things. One second. Dog break. All right, and we're back for a second time, but um, I'll probably do some editing to edit. Some we'll stuff. fix it in post. Yes. So we're talking about first-person shooters, which we said in. And I'm playing th- Valorant. He's playing Valorant. We'll just call him FPSs. Yep. Um, we actually already did the entire episode, so we're just gonna redo uh, it from okay. memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when it comes to, <laughs> to multiplayer first-person shooters, they're a really interesting design space because you can see a wide range of approaches. Like, for example, one of my personal favorite styles of FPS is the arena shooter. Uh-huh. Now, if you're not familiar with the arena shooter, Halo follows this in a lot of ways. The, the real big one was like Quake 3 was the original. Unreal Tournament follows the same pattern. Would you um, say Counter-Strike? Counter-Strike isn't... Counter-Strike is like... Um, I mean, I guess it's objective-based. Yeah, Counter-Strike and Valorant are the same field. So like CSGO is like... Um, it's almost like an objective team-based uh, like single-life game. Yeah. Arena shooters tend to have power weapons on the map. Uh-huh. Um, they tend to have everyone start with the same uh, uh, resources. Yeah. Um, but you respawn quickly, and then um, oftentimes... It's just a deathmatch style yeah. where the most uh, kills wins. Most kills wins. Now, they still have stuff like Capture the Flag, but the... And the, it's team-based. The pacing of combat, it can be team-based. It can also not be. Right? Yeah. It can be individual. 
um, referring to arena shooters. Yeah. And I love arena shooters partly because I played a lot of Halo 1, but I also played a lot of Quake 3. Yeah. And one of the things about arena shooters is it's a lot about um, it's about being f- fast but not quick draw. And it's about having a pacing to battles. So, What do you mean by that? Um, so if you've played a lot of Halo multiplayer. Sure. When you end up against someone, if someone else has the assault rifle and you have the assault rifle, if you can appropriately time and get your full clip in and then melee at the right time, you win the fight. Yeah. If you played online at all, this was the common way that you would get into a battle until you got a power weapon on the map. Yeah. Is you would run into someone, you would both have rifles, you'd both start shooting, and then normally you would end the combat with a melee. It had this really nice rhythm where the sure. perfect way to eliminate someone. And this was also reinforced in the campaign because that's exactly the best way to kill elites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, like Quake 3 has this really um, interesting pacing to battle where you realize someone's there. You tend to do stuff to mo- continue your movement by bunny hopping, by by strafing a lot. And then both of you tend to use one of the best weapons in the game, which is the rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. Um, a- and those are readily available. And your goal is to time and hit them either directly with the rocket launcher or time it with their jumps. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like this almost... <laughs> romantic dance of <laughs> you know you run into someone in a room and it's like how can i like give them tit for tat so that i come out of this room alive and they don't right yeah um it's reactionary and so that's that's what we that's an arena based shooter and they're really interesting to design i think because everyone's on starts on an even playing field mm-hmm. and then all a lot of the design once you have the core mechanics of that a lot of the design falls down to how do I design a map to encourage the confrontations that I want. Yeah. Right? Which is what Halo did so well in Halo 3 and Halo Reach is they realized, okay, we've given them all the weapons and the, the core combat. And the thing that can really push it to uh, the next step up is um, to give them control over the map design. And so you get... Um, Oh, what's the mode where you get to design maps? Forge. Uh, Forge. Yeah. And so you'd sit there and you get to say, oh, I want to make a cool map that plays like this, right? Yeah. And sometimes you design a map around a specific game type or you just like, you could change things up. Yeah. But, But you can see how map design in that. Now, map design is always important in a first-person shooter for very different reasons in different games, right? Yeah. But in that one, map design is all about saying, okay, what are the conflict spaces I'm creating um, for people to to act out these almost like duels yeah. uh, with the different weapons, right? Yeah, it's a super interesting design element to me because – you're leaving players their agency to do what you've given the player the ability to do. Mm. But you're also putting them in situations where certain tactics may be better than others. And it really changes the game when all the controls are still the same. Mm-hmm. Which is something I think about in D&D combat design too, but that's not yeah. the topic today. But you, if you like set up different objectives 
suddenly the fight isn't about winning. It's about like, Mm -hmm. how can I control this space or what am I doing? Like there was in modern warfare two, I can't remember the name of the map, but it was essentially like a large grassy field divided by a hedge and then essentially split it off into three sectors and then there's a bunker in the middle mm. and everyone could access the bunker or you could go around the hedges the long way. But like the bunker was where a lot of the conflict mm. happened. So if you were in the bunker, a lot of it was trying to position yourself. So all the random flashbangs that would get thrown yeah. in, like wouldn't hit you and you could yeah. like get people coming in. So it's like, how are you controlling that space? And mm-hmm. kind of what tactics are you using yeah. to make sure that you're winning a battle of attrition? Yeah, and so, like, one of the... I think one of the interesting things in in a arena shooter is combat lasts 2 to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you're moving, if you're throwing grenades, if you can... If you're like, oh, I'm at a disadvantage, I need a reposition. Um, um, or if you guys are just, like, missing each other a lot because your evasion's so good, right? Yeah. Or, like, they're... In, like, Quake 3, there's a lot of bouncers. So you could, like, jump out of the way to extend a combat in a way that's maybe more favorable for you. Mm -hmm. So, so much of that game is down to movement and tracking people as you move, right? Yeah. So then the other ones I would put forward are something that is a... um, I'm going to say an angle shooter, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Um, not the term angle shooting, which is a, a different term. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of angle shooting. Uh, no. It's where you like, it's it's a term for I think card game specifically, but where you try and it's almost like gaslighting in a card game, where you kind of say, oh, I'm gonna like, oh, you said you were casting this card, but you didn't say you were targeting my card, right? So not that kind of angle shooter. I'm talking about like a Valorant, a CSGO, or a Rainbow Six, where combat is very lethal. When you get your shots off, it should be very lethal. Very rarely are you running and gunning or... Um, it's more about the setup. It's more about the setup. Yeah. And, the, um, and one thing I was going to mention earlier is that the combat itself in an arena shooter is like its own thing. It's reminiscent to me of how like competitive card games where you deck build mm. deck building is like part of the game even though it happens outside of what is technically considered yeah. the game and i think that's the same in those kinds of shooters where you and and the map influences this but you want to set yourself up in situations mm. like and especially those games they'll have well I, I guess i'm thinking of games with loadouts which are not arena shooters by our definition yeah i, w- I would say but even just, like, how you approach, yeah. like, what you want to do is, do you want to maybe sneak around, and then that changes your play style from, mm-hmm. I want to, like, throw a bunch of grenades in to soften it up to, I'm yeah. going to walk in and see how many people I can knife before I get yeah. noticed, or, you know, things yeah. like that. So there's there's a game that takes place of setup and mind games before the actual confrontation of, mm-hmm. like strafing and jumping and mm-hmm. tracking people and shooting is. Yeah, I would put something... So this is my third category, and I don't know if these are perfect categories by any means, but my third yeah. category for something like Modern Warfare or Battlefield is like aim down sights, 
flick shooters. Like you're flicking to people and then you're you have to you have to sustain fire on them for a while, but not for super long. Uh, or like a gunslinger sort of thing, right? Cuz you could run and gun or if you're really fast with a sniper rifle, you can pick it up. Yeah. But very rarely cuz like angle shooters um normally you're holding an angle that you have an advantage over someone who has to push through that angle, right? Right. So now I have the ability to make sure that if someone is going to try and go through something, I get to get the first shot and I get to get the kill. Yeah. Whereas like Call of Duty, normally you're moving um, and sometimes you camp, but normally when you're camping, you're hoping for someone to move through your space, right? Right. But combat tends to be very quick. Like yeah. when someone is alive now, I think they've extended it a little bit. I haven't played any recent Call of Duties, mm-hmm. but when you look at the um, uh, the style of the um, oh God, battle royales, yeah, I think it's become a little bit bigger because of how much space is involved in those. Yeah, because of how big the map is, the combats feel longer. And it has added a new dimension to the game, which I think has brought a lot of people back into these aim down sight shooters. Right? Certainly, yeah. There's different like game types that you can overlay on the core shooter elements, we'd say. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that when you lay out those three types of at least gameplay models for first-person shooters, yeah. it, we're really kind of delineating slow to fast where arena is the slowest angle shooters are the fastest and then your yeah. like call of duties are somewhere in between well slow to fast as far as conflict to yeah actually yeah actual yeah conflict to kill mm-hmm. time that doesn't mean that you don't have games that kind of fall in the middle where it's like okay this game went moves really fast oh yeah and i'm sure a game of rainbow six siege could take a long time if people are moving very cautiously and yeah and you know trying to get the drop yeah on yeah i mean rainbow six it, the game moves, but all of a sudden, you know, it's 5v5, and I love Rainbow Six. Played a lot of it for a while. and But you play very slowly once the round starts. Yeah. You do all the setup, you get into your positions, and then all of a sudden it's about... There's a few characters that aren't playing slowly, and sometimes you're doing lots of stuff in this, but your conflicts are, okay, I am now in conflict, bang, 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 one of us won or lost. Yeah. Um, and very rarely is it like, oh, I ran into the whole team. Now, like Valorant, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I'm going to push. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's three guys. I can't. I yeah. just got roasted. You yeah. Know? Um, so, like, just because something is in our broad categories does not make it the same thing, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, there's different ways to, like, take those, I guess, core gameplay elements of of the actual conflicts and shooters and then turn them into a bunch of different games. But yeah, I mean, so if you look at something like overwatch is kind of arena esque, team fortress is kind of, is very arena. Um, but those guys tend to be a lot of objectives. Whereas halo other than capture the flag, most people played like a death match mode. Yeah. Right. Um, arena, um, or quake three tended to be death match, not, um, sometimes there was capture the flag, um, but then you can see a game like Wolfenstein Anime Territory, which is one of my favorite objective-based games ever because of they designed their maps and the way the objectives worked to be unique, not, hey, go plant a bomb at the site. 
They yeah. said, okay, each one's going to kind of have a story and a progression that players can interact with. Yeah. And honestly, some of the best map and objective design for a multiplayer game I've ever played. Yeah. Um, but... One of my... <laughs> as an aside, one of my favorite things in those games was Gold Rush because... I think it, the whole thing is is like the Axis are defending a bank and then the allies are pushing forwards to that bank. So you can win the entire match, but you'll still be giving ground as the Axis the whole time. And the end always ended up with like your whole team minus like a few people sitting inside the bank shooting anyone who tried to go inside. Yeah. And the allies would always be like running in trying to grab this gold and get it out. And it mm. was... Just wild and crazy. Yeah. And, and, but that plays like an arena shooter because of how you, there was places you could set up, but for the most part, it was built on the Quake 3 engine. You had enough health. Yeah. The, the optimal strategy was doing lots of bunny hopping. Like that was something that played very uniquely in that game where it's like you can, so, so like if you wanted to add a, a, second and third axes to our categories you might say is it objective based Uh and you might say um is it symmetric or is it asymmetric sure right um because um when you have inherent attackers and defenders it's going to be asymmetric and how asymmetric changes based off the game valorant you get a um uh oh i don't remember are they they're not operators that's rainbow six um heroes yeah people, you get a champ characters uh yeah um they, everyone has their own unique thing puppets um i think they they have some unique they have one that's even more unique it's like one of their main ranks but yeah um but you play it both attacking and defending yeah so sometimes you might choose a character that's really good at defending or really good at attacking that maybe has less use yeah in um on the opposite, right? And so it's an asymmetric gameplay in that you have to play attack and defense, but then it's symmetric and then everyone has access, but then sometimes people aren't playing the same champions, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. But Rainbow Six says when you swap sides, um, you are going to play... You have certain characters that are only attackers and you have certain characters that are only defenders. Yeah. Which, which takes the asymmetry to an extreme. Whereas CSGO, other than attacking and defending, everyone has access to the same weapons. There's no special abilities, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, they have... certain tools might be better in certain situations. Yeah. Well, yeah, you purchase the tools. Yeah. So you have, like, perfect symmetry for characters... At the beginning. ...in CSGO. Yeah. Um, But you still have an asymmetry in that you're attacking and defending. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you think of something like... um, Halo, um, and if you're playing SWAT where there's no weapons on the map, you're only using um, assault rifles trying to get headshots, there's perfect symmetry in that other than like where you can stand on the map. Right? Yeah. And so like asymmetry is something that will affect how you design your game too. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're going to force certain things in certain confrontations <clears throat> that are going to be different Different first-person shooters. Yeah, like I think with ability-based shooters or loadout-based shooters or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. in an asymmetrical map, you have a lot more design freedom to make more niche characters. Mm-hmm. Like 
in a game where where there's not attackers and defenders, like a character who's really good at defending might see less use. Mm-hmm. And in a game where like you're defending, like you're actually defending one side, like suddenly the defensive character is a lot more viable. Yeah. And, and vice versa with the mm-hmm. attacking character. Well, and if you think of call of duty, um, one of the interesting things about that is everyone's on the same playing field because you can swap loadouts and you can design your own loadouts. Yeah. Except for, I would say, the annoying thing in Call of Duty is you don't unlock it till you level up. So people who've played the game more are rewarded more with better guns mm-hmm. in general. Because, like, I remember Modern Warfare 2. It was like, well, if you get to... There was a few, like, really overpowered guns. And then if you get to those... And then you get enough kills with the individual ones. You get like dual wielding P90s was pretty broken back in the day. Um, yeah. Or pretty annoying to play against if I recall. So like um, – or certain sniper rifles. But like you don't start out with all the good things. You have to like unlock them over time. Yeah. Um, which I would say is maybe a negative asymmetry is like – in in shooters, you're rewarded by, in your playtime with more knowledge of the game, right? Yeah. So I think there's a negative play cycle there where you're also – where you're getting rewarded a second time for um, more play hours with upgraded abilities and more powerful things, right? It – I mean my experience playing it was even – even when other people had like – better guns i never felt like i was outmatched like i just Mm. felt like i had to switch up my strategy and the combat did feel quick enough where if you got the drop on somebody or you were just better than them you would still kill them um yeah and then another aspect i think they used to kind of counter what you're talking about is the prestige system where you would reset yeah you would reset all your progress so then you'd have experienced players who had unlocked everything going back down to not having all the gear yeah. again and it kind of freshened up the gameplay too because it forced you to mm-hmm. get out of a rut of what you had been using yeah and so i mean i won't say it was all bad but i i think I can, that i can see where you're coming from at its that. core it's like you're you're hoping to play on an even playing field but if you're a level one and you jump in other than already being an experienced the best guns in the game aren't available to you, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in like a Halo, um, uh, and I mean, back in the day, it was it was Halo versus Call of Duty. That was the discussion everyone had, right? Yeah. In Halo, it's like once you had enough map knowledge to know where the sword spawned or where the rocket launcher spawned, yeah, you had to just go there and fight and be the best one. Yeah. And then it it did a lot more to reveal that. And that's what I will say. That's one of the things where, if people did design their own map for whatever reason, yeah, they um, and then they like finished designing a map and then hid like a secret where they could go get the power weapons or they knew right <laughs> where the power weapons were. That was an annoying thing that could happen in that game. Yeah, but like all the base maps, when you were playing online, you were like, okay, if I learn where the power weapons are, I can go get them. Yeah. Um. And that was even like a, an aspect of, of professional play was like, okay, at the beginning of a round, we're going to fight to control the power weapons and we're going to, you know, use them against the opponents in, in pro play. Yeah. Right? So I thought that was always interesting. Um, yeah, lends some overall 
timing to the match or yeah. like some points you need to be aware of. Yeah. And so that I think that added to a higher level of strategy than maybe you saw in an everyday match, um, which is, you know, you want to see better strategy in pro play. Mm-hmm. I will say like Valorant engages your strategic play at all levels. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Halo, you're like, hey, I just need to get kills. Yeah. And sometimes you just you just need to be better. So but like Valorant, you yeah. are using abilities, you're holding angles, you have to engage in the strategy from day one, right? Yeah. So this whole episode topic was inspired by you enjoying playing Valorant. What about it specifically made you want to talk about it today? Um, well, so I've, I have been interested in it since it came out. Mm-hmm. I will say, so here, back in the day, yeah, um, towards the end of high school, beginning of college, um, I had lots of dreams of different video games I would make if I could. Yeah. And I'd, I'd fleshed a couple out in my head. Um, and one of them was a Super Smash Bros, but for first-person shooters. Uh-huh. I don't think that's been captured perfectly yet, but I don't know that I'm ever going to get the opportunity or chance to make it because you need to get access to all the IPs. And one of the things that always fascinated me about the concept is like in Super Smash Bros, you have different characters. And they play differently. Um but the core element is still kind of the same. Sure. And what I thought would be interesting in this supposed Smash Bros. Shooter. Of shooter yeah. Smash Shooter. Um, Schmooter. Schmooter. Um, is all of a sudden you could take the arena style characters like a Master Chief versus like a, um, a Call of Duty, like a, a Ghost. Is, is that one of the mm-hmm. main characters yeah. in in to anyways because you know when you're doing this you want to um use the the name characters yeah you know just like they do in smash bros yeah because we've seen other games like smash bros that copied it where they didn't have like this this dearth of named characters from ips that were interesting to watch one word yeah thank you dearth um I guess like maybe the Nickelodeon one has some characters and the PlayStation yeah, I, one tried to, but like their characters weren't as iconic. And so it didn't succeed really. Yeah. Um, but you want like a master chief, you want a ghost, you want maybe the doom slayer. Yeah. You know, whatever. Well, and I, I was thinking something like, Oh, it'd be cool to have the portal gun or half-life gravity gun involved and everything. So anyways, mm-hmm. all of that to say at the time I was like, we could see all sorts of different abilities. And I was like, workshopping like it'd be so cool to have like people have different things that played on the different like teleporting like like being having way better movement Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden at the time when i was thinking overwatch got announced and i go well why am i going to work on this idea anymore because (laughs) they just made it like they didn't make it with all the characters like i wanted and they don't have every ability from every shooter and it plays more like an arena shooter, right? Yeah. But there are actually a lot of characters that cover certain things. Like a Soldier 76 is very similar to like a Call of Duty yeah. sort of thing. So all of a sudden, that came out. 
Um, and then um, CSGO has kind of always been the never the limelight one that's selling 60 million copies because they release a new one every year. Right. But it's been like a lot of people who want to get competitive in on their PC. Yeah. Do that. It still has a pretty devout following. And so when Valorant got announced, it, it was the fusion of the two. So I was really excited about it. Because it had a lot of cool like ability usage, which I thought was cool, mm-hmm. um, and and like I don't know, it looked cool. And so I've been just having a lot of fun. So I think I wanted to talk about it because one, it's been fun, but I think it's got really interesting design elements. Um, and I I also think that it might be the game to define pro first person shooters for the next three or four years. Oh, interesting. Right? Because I don't think Call of Duty ever had a huge following. CSGO was always pretty big. Um, I think you're wrong about Call of Duty, but... I don't... Well, I don't think it... it it's I think there's definitely scene. a big pro scene in Call of Duty. Okay. I don't follow I'm not it. super familiar. But, but I, I do think one of the things that hurts a pro scene is... Um, is battle royale f- formats I don't think are good for high level play mm-hmm. because um, now I think it's interesting to watch a streamer play it and like really good players can come alive and I don't think battle royale is a bad format because people clearly enjoy it but I don't like think it's a format team paced competitive play yeah I don't think the the problem in a, a battle royale is there's so many times when you don't get as much control over your destiny, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas Valorant, because it is team versus team, there is a lot of control over the engagement and showing off who's actually better. Yeah, less randomness. So, I th- I mean, I think that's better. So, mm-hmm. um, And the only reason I say it, Call of Duty didn't have a big pro scene back when Halo was at the top of... Um, uh, esports, um, and then people tried to transition there, but I think it kind of got split between there and like CS:GO, and so I don't know. I don't think either of us really. Yeah, I, I'd to have to. I'd have to do more research on yeah. on Call of Duty. Like, there's lots of big streamers in Call of Duty, but I don't know about the the pro scene. I suppose. Anyways, um, but I, I don't know. It's just been really interesting. There's this high level strategy side, which engages me really well. Yeah. And then just like when you start doing really well in the game, it's fun. Yeah. And even when you're doing bad, at the very least, you get lots of abilities. So you feel like you're not totally like weighing down your team. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I can have a bad round, but I've been giving vision or I've been blocking certain things or slowing down the opponents in certain ways. Right. Yeah. You can feel like you add value in other ways Mm -hmm. besides just performing well. Yeah. Which is cool. And so, like, the the matches are long, but the rounds are pretty short. It has something similar to Rainbow, where it's attacker-defender. But Rainbow is very slow. Yeah. You know, you play a game, and it is, like, I think casual's best of five, and then, like, pro's, like, best of seven. Uh Uh-huh. Not pro competitive, and like that is really an interesting. Um, whereas like um, Valorant's best of twenty five, right? 
which oh, wow. tells you that the rounds have to be much shorter. Yeah. Because in in Rainbow, there's this really unique setup phase where one team is scouting what's going on and where the bomb might be. Yeah. And the other team is setting up defenses to protect the bombs. Yeah. Right? And so there's a longer played out kind of conflict and struggle there. Whereas like in Valorant, there's a pretty quick reset where you've got about, I think it's a minute and 45 once the round starts. There's a buy phase to get your guns yeah. and to get into position. And then you just like, it's a minute and a half. And then if the bomb goes gets planted, it's another 30 seconds. Uh-huh. But you don't have a lot of time to... Um, oh yeah, that's really true. You're you're very rarely are you checked out. Yeah. Right. You're you're pretty engaged. You're moving pretty quick, and even though the match as a whole can be pretty long, um, you know, I think it keeps you engaged, keeps your team engaged, and when you do well, you feel it feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Maybe it's the endorphins. Maybe that's why I love it. I mean. Any game where you feel good is we endure yeah. but yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and I think games are supposed to be fun, yeah, so yeah. they're going to be providing that to you in one mm-hmm. way or another. I think your personality kind of influences what games you like more. But. Yeah, and what I will say is, when you're playing a best of twenty-five versus like Rainbow, where it's like a, a best of five, right? Yeah, losing a round doesn't feel as bad. Sure, right? especially if you lost it for I don't know a dumb reason. Yeah. And, and sometimes that happens. And in Valorant, it feels a lot more capable of, okay, we can make a comeback. Because sometimes, yeah, maybe we're outgunned at the beginning, but we kind of figure it out. We, we turn it around. Someone turns it on. And there's time for a comeback. Yeah. Um, whereas in Rainbow, if I, have, if I have three bad rounds in Rainbow, I'm tilted. Yeah. If I have three bad rounds in Valorant... I can still maybe even have a chance to top frag by the end of the game. Right. right. Um, but, I mean, if the rounds are so much shorter, wouldn't the equivalent be like playing if you play like 12 bad rounds or something like that? I, I mean, if I'm playing 12 bad rounds, yeah, I may be a little salty. But normally in 12 rounds, even when I'm playing bad, I can do some things that are redemptive, right? Because mm-hmm. I, that means I have 12 lives versus 3 lives, right? Sure, yeah. There's more reset points to... And so even though it's half of the game that maybe I was playing bad, I had more opportunities to change what I was doing, to maybe consider, to change my strategy in a different way. If I'm always getting uh, killed by people rotating behind us on the map, I can say, okay, this time I'm just going to wait for them to rotate. The rest of the team will push, and I will just wait and kill the person who's going to rotate on us, right? Yeah. Or, hey, let's put up something that will defend us from that, because we have tech to prevented yeah and stuff and so i think there's a lot more opportunity to change your behavior in a and to like feel out your opponents sure yeah um it's an interesting juxtaposition to me of really quick rounds but having so many of them create a a longer form first person shooter where you can have, like you were saying with Rainbow Six, like long rounds, but like that's it. Yeah. And don't give me – like I'm not saying Rainbow Six is, is bad because of that. There's certainly some things about Rainbow Six that, Six that make it awesome where it takes longer. You feel like you can go a little bit slower. You can clear your angles. The map is 
like so much of of Rainbow like Valorant has very simple maps relatively yeah. speaking. Um, there's not a lot a ton of verticality. Um, it tends to be almost almost single dimensional dimension with a few higher spots for defenders and then a few like boxes and stuff that some operators can get on top of. Yeah. In Rainbow, there's multiple levels. There's entry points all over. Yeah. You can go through certain walls. You can choose how you block and don't block walls. Sometimes as a defender, you're like, hey, I don't want to defend this wall because I want to be able to shoot through that wall. Yeah. I want this to be a passageway for us. Or I want to be able to rotate and get behind them. And so like Rainbow has these really cool effects in it. Um, yeah, where you that, have the players control over the map. Yeah, and and that makes Rainbow so interesting when um, that happens. Is you give a lot more openness to yeah. how you're going to engage. Whereas in like Valorant, if you're pushing, a, there's like most maps have two sites. Yeah, and then they like have a mid or like two paths to both sites or something. Uh huh. So at the end of the day, I maybe have a choice between one, two, three, maybe four entry points on the whole map as to how I'm going to proceed to attack that site. Yeah. And then like defenders have like like two sites to defend. Yeah. Maybe they have to defend mid or maybe there's a three site map. Yeah. Um, but um, at the end of the day, you have to play to the map. And then um, in Rainbow, you get to make the map play to you. Sure. Um, and so both of those I think are really interesting as like when you are feeling highly competitive, they can be very rewarding to play. Yeah. Um, so I, I that's why I've been enjoying it. I love having a little bit more strategy um, and slowness to it, I think, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm as... Uh, I'm just so out of practice in shooters that I don't feel like I could go back to uh, to some of the other run-and-gun sort of arena or, or like, Twitch-based shooters like Call of Duty yeah. anymore. It's just um, things are happening fast. And it's not that things don't happen in fast in, in Valorant or Rainbow, but they're, like, slow then fast. Yeah. So it's like I have the ability to prepare for the speed, right? Sure. Whereas I feel like the other games, maybe it's a little bit more, you're always on. Yeah. And it's like, I I like having the natural rhythms of of resetting, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Time to catch your breath, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Wait, what was the last shooter you played? Man, that's a good question. Um, it certainly has been a while break out the old PlayStation controller. Man, I really can't think of it. There you go. Maybe that's why we haven't featured them as much. Yeah, just less. Yeah, I... The last shooter I was into a lot was Modern Warfare 2, and probably one of the only ones I was into a lot. Um, But that was when I was in high school, which is... More than five, less than ten years ago. Oh, Chris, you're old. Um, to clarify, I'm older than Chris, for those who don't know. Yeah. Um, 
but I, you know, I, for me it was it, I. I'll say the, the last time I played a multiplayer shooter was Rainbow. Yeah. Before that, it was probably Halo. Back oh, actually, no. I was playing some Gears of War recently. Oh, really? The last like year, nice or two, occasionally with my roommate. So that's a good time. Ask him what his most recent first-person shooter is, and he names a third-person shooter. Oh, this yeah. guy. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Third-person shooters are similar, unique vibe. and different. They're they're different from first person shooters in some ways, but they're also interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, although, other than Gears of War, I, I'm trying to think of any major. Well, Battlefront. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, no, the new Battlefronts are first person, right? Old Battlefronts. Yeah. Are third person. Yeah. Um, I've definitely played shooters. Just not a lot recently. Yeah. Well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a shorter one today. I think so. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us as we discuss them. I I think our genres made sense. And I en- to be clear, I enjoy things about all the genres. Yeah. But I, I find myself leaning to either arena or to more like the angle shooters. Yeah, and I think having different genres is kind of empowering as a game designer because it gives you more space to play with your player experiences like Mm -hmm. in halo for example it's an arena shooter so there's weapons on the map but that allows you to have the game mode of fiesta where you just spawn with random weapons yeah you couldn't really do that in a call of duty because i mean i suppose you could but the fact that people can make their own loadouts like people are just starting with the guns they want to have anyways Mm -hmm. So it doesn't... It yeah, if call, in Call of Duty, they do have a game mode where if you want to kind of have a variety of different guns, they've got... Um, in Valorant, it's called Escalation. Um, it's called Gun Game in, in Call of Duty, mm-hmm. where it's like, as you get kills. Yeah. Uh, what I don't know about recent Call of Duty is, do they even have any, like, arena multiplayer, like, smaller map arenas, or is it all just... Has it all just transitioned away to be Battle Royale? No, they still have other stuff. And I think Zombies is a big game mode that we didn't really touch on, but where it's like kind yeah. of a cooperative, reset every game, but like still have a progression sort of feeling. Yeah, I guess we're referring to competitive multiplayer. Because yeah. if you wanted to talk about cooperative multiplayer shooters, you have Zombies and Call of Duty, but you also have... I mean, um, Gears of War. Borderlands, Gears of War, yeah. um, oh shoot, even those are uh, Left for Dead, yeah. Um, so you, I mean, that's a whole different genre where that, I mean, that that harkens back more to a lot of other classical design decisions that you might have in a single player uh, game because in a lot of single player story based games irregardless of no just regardless yeah just regardless yeah <laughs> regardless of of the mechanics involved from something as like hollow knight to halo um single player campaign to co-op left for dead yeah right the game designer is setting the pace of those conflicts but design for playing against other humans is so different because you have to understand 
that and other humans are going to be generating that conflict. So you have to like yeah. kind of balance what's available to them. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have, it can, it can be asymmetric and it can be symmetric, Yeah, but you have to, you have to give all actors an equal chance mm-hmm. to win and allow skill to determine who wins. Yeah. Whereas like in a, in a single player or player versus environment in general, like, the challenge and the way you're teaching the player to win, you want the player to eventually win every time. Yeah. But in um, a multiplayer game, you want each player to lose approximately 50% of the time, ideally. Right? Yeah. And, th- I mean, that's how they balance all things, from, like, League of Legends to Valorant yeah. to, to anything. It's like, if a character is winning more than 52% of the time... When it is pit, when it is in a match, then you know it's too strong, yeah. right? If it's losing more than forty eight percent, you know it's too weak. Yeah, because that means that it doesn't have the correct advantages it needs to be able to compete at that level, right? And so, um, and then there's like different levels of play too, where something might be stronger or weaker, and then yeah. in a pro scene, it's not as effective or really effective, but it, you don't see the same thing. Well, I think that's something in first-person multiplayer shooters where you you look at it and now they can nowadays they have the ability to modify the numbers so much. They can nerf and buff things so easily. Yeah. If you if you reflect back on Halo, one of the the reasons why the symmetry was so useful is at the end of the day, it's no one was picking the rocket launcher every time, right? Everyone yeah. was fighting over it, and if you got the rocket launcher, you got kills, and everyone acknowledged and accepted that. Yeah, and because th- they had an equal chance of getting the rocket launcher. And I think Modern Warfare Two. I don't remember them having many balance patches or anything, or maybe they did. They did, but but like at the beginning, I do remember some guns being preferred among the community. I don't know whether they were actually stronger or what. Yeah, but like nowadays, you look at Call of Duty, and they can just release a, okay, we modified the numbers of this. Yeah, yeah. Or, hey, Valorant, we changed a champion because everyone was picking them and they were always winning when it wasn't a mirror. Right? Yeah, so certain game design elements do lend themselves to... Mm-hmm. I mean, now in the age where anything can be patched digitally, it's yeah. a little less restrictive, but back in the day, certain yeah. things were a bit more advantageous to design around. Which I will say, one of the impressive things to me about old school game stuff in general is them taking um, them taking the game and shipping it, right? They yeah. didn't get to fix it. They didn't get to go and repair bugs later yeah, on. Yeah, they had to it's, get it right. The game was out. That was the end of the story. Yeah. So. But yeah, um... I guess question to the uh, listeners: yeah. What is a really satisfying moment you had in a first-person shooter, and why do you think it was so satisfying for you? And maybe like, what were the design elements around that? I mean, I will say my most recent one was getting my first official ace in Valorant. Oh yeah, which is an ace is where you killed the whole other team by yourself. Oh, nice. And. Um, it felt good, man. Yeah. It felt good. Definitely. Um, Did it feel like you won because you 
played more skillfully than they did, or did you like tactically outwit them, or like what? I mean, a little bit of both. Sure, a little bit of both. Yeah, um, it just uh, it felt good. Yeah, definitely. And my other second most favorite is when uh, a random teammate we were playing online with was about to get an ace, and my buddy stole it from him. So oh no! Shout out to the patron who did that. You know who you are. <laughs> you jerk. That poor sage. She carried us. I think I was like second place with 10 kills. She had like 50 kills on our team. Oh no. And was like the only reason we won that match. And in an earlier round, my buddy had stolen the ace. And we were joking like, don't get any kills until our sage dies so that they can not be blocked from an ace. <laughs> so that's fun. Anyways. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And we will catch you next time. Yeah. Take care, guys.